So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations. And this is the 28th Sunday in Ordinary Time. It's the 9th of October. My name is John Keeley. And joining me from somewhere in the world, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John, from Nairobi. How are things? Nairobi. Well, things are pretty good over here. Um, weather-wise and so on and so forth, it's the usual. But I must say, you sound as though you're just round the corner. But I'd say you're a few miles away from... From I see now, a few miles away from Shannon Golden, anyway. <laughs> just, just, just a bit. I'm in Westlands in Nairobi for work, and um, it's been a mixed, uh, it's been a mixed fortune here weather-wise. We've had a bit of rain in Nairobi, um, but people are probably aware there is a drought across the Horn of Africa, um, in particularly in northern Kenya, in the Turkana, and across Somalia. So it's uh, it's very mixed bag on this side of the world. Shane, thanks a lot indeed for joining us. And we will certainly have to keep those people in our prayers in that side of the world. But again, as I say, uh, we also want to welcome our listeners who are housebound and lonely and struggling in some way. And those of our listeners who support us each week in prayer. And as we say, and we mean it, we need those prayers, guys. Keep those prayers coming that we might be inspired to listen to the Holy Spirit. Not just by what we want to say, but what the Holy Spirit wants us to say. Our weekly podcasters include interviews on faith topics, inspiration music, and reflection on the Sunday Gospel. All of our podcasts can be heard at comeandseeinspirations.buzzpread.com. That's just Google, come and see inspirations. You'll find us there. And also on our blog at sacredspace102.blogspot.com. And also on Spotify and iTunes. And also we do have a presence on Facebook at Come and See Inspirations. If you want to contact us, and you're welcome to, please, that's by texting 087-6088-667. Now, that's our Irish listeners. We do have a lot of international listeners. 00353 867 That's 08 That's 0053 87 Or email, come and see Now, that this would also include any suggestions you might have uh, in regard to our program in here, maybe maybe you're aware of some inspirational person out there who'd like to chat with us on a faith topic. Just just um, email come and see inspirations at gmail.com. Now, at this point of the program, we'll invite Shane to share some saints for the week. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, John. So, just in terms of the saints, so at so Monday the tenth of uh, October. Just make sure I have it is Monday. Yes, it is. So Monday the tenth of October is the feast day of Saint Daniel Comboni. Daniel Camboni is the founder. He's a um, he's known for founding the Camboni Fathers. Uh, he's an Italian saint does, uh, associated with Verona in Italy, and he uh, was a missionary to modern Sudan in eighteen fifty seven. Returned home in eighteen fifty nine due to ill health, and was very much focused on save Africa through Africa by treating Africans as adults in need of a hand, not a hand up. And then in 1867, he founded um, the Instituto de la Missione por la Negrizione for Priests and Brothers, which is now known as the Componi Missionaries. And they are very much involved with preaching to northern, what we would call northern Africa. So um, he was actually invited, he was actually appointed, um, uh, the title, he was appointed a pro-vicar apostolic, which is equivalent of basically a bishop. Uh, in in that region for part of his life as well, and he died in 1881 of natural causes in Khartoum in Sudan. Uh, so it's a saint I had never heard of before. Actually, I came across him during my work in Sudan many years ago, um, and he's a, a, a beloved saint in many parts of northern Africa. 
On the 11th of October, we have another beloved Italian saint, and it is the feast day of Pope St. John the 23rd, good Pope John. Um, now, in, in, a, in a break with tradition, his feast day is not the Deus in Italius, the day of his death or his day is birth into eternal life. His feast day is actually the 11th of October, which is the date of the opening of the Second Vatican Council. So John Twenty-Third, of course, uh, you know, was uh, born Angelo Giuseppe Roncalli uh, of Italian peasant stock and was ordained in 1904. He was secretary of the Bishop of Bergamo until 1914, served in World War One in the medical corps as a chaplain. He was appointed, he took, he, he, he um, was appointed to the, Vatican diplomatic corps served in numerous places, including Turkey, Greece, France, um, France in particular. He, he created a cardinal um, uh, in 1953 after being appointed to the Patriarch, Patriarch and Archbishop of Venice. And he was elected Pope in 1958. And of course, as is famously known, he upset all the boys in Rome by calling the Second Vatican Council. What's not so well known also is the fact that he also called a synod for the city of for the for the diocese of Rome, which reformed the the diocese of Rome as well as the council, which of course set out to reform many things within the church. Uh, famous, of course, a number of famous encyclicals, um, including Mater et Magistra, which was his uh, encyclical advocating social reform. Um, promoted, uh, very much involved in uh, negotiations for peace. And uh, the, the whole anti-nuclear thing in particular at that time, the, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, so that's John the 23rd. And he died on the 3rd of June, 1963, of stomach cancer, actually. And that's something I only realized a couple of years ago, that he, the poor man died of cancer. So that's John the 23rd. On the 12th of October, we have uh, an unusual feast day, John. I've gone a bit further field for this one. It's Our Lady of the Pillar. And tradition says that in the early days of the church, Pope St. Saint jo- James the Great was spreading the gospel in Spain, but making very little progress. And he was very dejected. And about the year 44, the Virgin Mary, who was still living in Jerusalem, bilocated and appeared to him in a vision to boost his morale. And it is said she appeared atop this pillar, which is being venerated in Zar- Zaragoza in Spain today. Um, it's an interesting one. Uh, so, so that's Our Lady of the Pillar. Uh, whose feast day we celebrate on the 12th of October. On the 13th of October, I've gone for an unusual one. It is St. Benedict of Cupra. He's a soldier in the Imperial Roman Army stationed at Cupra Maritima in Italy, and he was martyred in persecutions of Diocletian by beheading in October 304. And he is uh, what we call a pre-congregation saint, so he's been on the list of the martyrs since God was a gospel. Then on the 14th of October, we have the feast day of Pope St. Callistus I, uh, a saint born a slave and in a Christian household. And then his master entrusted a large sum to Callistus to open several deposits and then made loans to people who refused and went broke. So Callistus fled, but was caught and returned to his owners. Um... And then he was sentenced to work in 10 mines. But by a quirk of Roman law, the ownership was transferred uh, to the state and he was later freed and went on then to become um, uh, uh, Christian. 
and then uh, a, a priest and ultimately pope. The reason why the name Callistus might be familiar with people is that there are very famous catacombs in Rome, which were the symmetry of St. Callistus. They're now the catacombs of St. Callistus. And um, they're, they're, they were, they were quite, they're, they're quite famous. Um, he was martyred. Um, and that he was martyred in the persecutions of Alexander Severus, and he died in 223 AD. And then finally, John, on Saturday, the 15th of October, we have a big one. It is the feast day of St. Teresa of Avila, the, the re-founder and reformer of the Carmelite order, Spanish, Spanish saint, born of Spanish nobility. Uh, she, entered the, she entered the convent, Carmelite convent at the age of 17, uh, but um, she then had a kind of a conversion experience after ill health. Um, so she founded a reformed convent uh, and uh, and then went on to form several reformed houses. Despite the fact that she was undergoing severe opposition from the Carmelites, she drew the attention of the Spanish Inquisition because they were wondering what she was up to. Uh, but she was uh, she was examined by Dominicans and Jesuits and given the all clear. Uh, she's regarded as being a mystical writer of the church. She was proclaimed a doctor of the church in 1970 by Paul VI. She's one of the few women, women doctors of the church we have. And she eventually died in 1582 in Alba de Tormes. Um, her body is seen as being corrupt. Her relics are preserved at Alba. And she has many patronages. is the patron of lace workers. She was the patron saint of World Youth Day 2011. So that's Saint uh, Teresa of Avila, whose feast day we celebrate on the 15th of October. And thank you very much indeed for that. So at this point of our podcast, we usually have a, a, a prayer space uh, followed by a piece of music. But starting today, I, I was thinking of, um, of just playing back some a series of meditations with a little bit of music attached to it. Uh, this is by Monica Brown. And and the first one that I want to play today, it's a lovely one. It's, it's only about six or seven minutes. This meditation is entitled, Be Still and Know That I'm God. But just before we listen to that, just to remind us that in part two of our program, of our podcast today, we're again going to start off a series of uh, just reflections that we recorded at the Nock Novena, uh, the nine-day Nock Novena to Our Lady of Nock, which was held early on this year. The first of these uh, today, we're going to listen to Ruan, sorry, Rosanna Ruan. She's the mother of Saoirse Ruan. Rosanna is from Athenry, kind of Galway, and is the mother of Saoirse Ruan, who appeared on the Late Late Show here in Ireland in 2020. Over the past number of years, Rosanna, together with her husband Ollie and daughter Saoirse, and Fair Rose have experienced the pain of coping with childhood cancer. Rosanna will speak about how she turned to God during this, during this difficult time and how the power of prayer gave her hope and courage. So we can listen to that in part two of our podcast and that will be followed again as usual by our reflection, reading and, and reflection on the Word of God. So back and join us again after first of all this piece of music by Monica, this reflection by Monica Brown which is entitled Be Still and Know That I Am God. Be still and know that I am God. 
Be still and know that I am God. In the ever-increasing stressful pace of our daily lives, stillness is not easy to come by. Even though our bodies might be still, our minds can be racing and pacing and our emotions churning up within us. On the other hand, stillness isn't necessarily about inactivity. Our hearts and minds can be very still and centered, even though our bodies are active. Stillness is very much about consciousness, presence and focus. It is about our ability to simply be. Today's card offers you a personal and intimate invitation from God to come into that space of being, where in the stillness God is known. It is God, as expressed in God's word today, who chooses stillness as a sanctuary, as the sacred meeting place between heaven and earth. It is God who is at home in the stillness, and it is God who wants to be known in that stillness by you today. Coming into that sacred stillness is as simple and at the same time as daunting as coming home to ourselves and finding God already there, waiting for us. Take a moment now just to reflect on this notion of stillness and consider the things that prevent you from coming into stillness, the things that distract, disrupt and disturb the stillness that you seek. Try to name in your heart what it is that you long for in that stillness. Sit or lie comfortably, closing your eyes, letting your hands rest open by your side. Be aware of your breathing. As you breathe in and as you breathe out slowly and gently, let your body and mind become quiet 
centered, still. Rest in the stillness, in the company of God. And remember, God is there in the stillness of your heart. In the silence and the stillness, my heart waits for you. So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shan Ambrose. And starting this week, we are replaying some of the reflections from the Novena at Nock Basilica held early on this year. Today we can listen to Rosanna Ruan, who speaks to us on the power of prayer in difficult times. We'll follow this reflection with a piece of music by Monica Brown entitled Into Your Hands. Mary presents before us our own destiny. The essential nature of the assumption is that Mary, assumed into heaven, is, has reached her destiny. That is before us. Where she is gone, we hope to follow in our time. St. Paul reminds us that death has been destroyed. The last of the enemies to be destroyed is death, for everything is to be put under Christ's feet. And so, as we move along our pathway and our journey through life towards eternity, that we still have to live and work and exist and enter relationships here in this world. It's our faith that carries us through that. 
And sometimes our faith can be challenged, it certainly can be disrupted, and it certainly can uh, maybe be questioned quite a lot of the time, depending on what happens. That's the same for all of us. It's the same within all our families. But that's where the time of testing comes in terms of our faith. Does our faith withstand those tests? Here to speak to us this evening is Rosanna Ruan, who will take us through her own experience with her own child and her own family in terms of those uh, particular test, the test of cancer. She will speak to us now on the power of prayer in difficult times. And she will help us to understand maybe within our own lives, in a practical real way, a real story that evokes courage, compassion, and most of all, faith. Please welcome Rosanna. Power of Prayer in Difficult Times. To those of you who won't know me, my name is Rosanna Ruan. I'm happily married to Ollie, and we live in a lovely area close to Athenry in County Galway. We have two beautiful girls, Saoirse Tin and Farah Rose Three. I'm very humbled to stand in front of you all today and be asked to share my family's story with you all. It's a very surreal feeling, as I myself am still dealing with the emotions of the past two and a half years. When you hear the term, I could write a book, well, I really could write one, about all the pain, grief, sadness, and every other feeling we have endured as a family over the last two and a half years. But I will try my best to summarize it for you all here today. I briefly go back 35 years to when I was seven years old. I had my appendix removed and went on to develop peritonitis, a severe life-threatening infection, which saw me have numerous surgeries to save my life. It was a very difficult time for my parents, my mother a nurse, and my father a full-time farmer. Even though I was too young to remember much of my illness, I do remember certain things, like the visitors, my mom getting changed in the toilets to go on night duty, and how lonely it felt when my dad would have to leave to go home to my other siblings. I also remember Padre Pio. I was that sick that I received Padre Capio's glove. I don't know if it's my own memory or the memory of hearing the story, but this was my first introduction to Padre Pio. From there on in, I kept a picture of him in my room and always prayed to him nightly. And though I was unwell for a long time after that, I did go on to make a full recovery. I met my husband, Ollie, in 2006, and we became engaged in the December of 2007. Just four months later, he was diagnosed with cancer. This was, to me, the most devastating blow. We were planning our wedding. We had our whole lives ahead of us. 
He was only 30 years of age. I remained by his bedside night and day, helping him recover from his surgery. And when I wasn't beside him, I was lighting candles in the church in the hospital. I turned to God, and indeed Padre Pio, and I welcomed any prayers that came our way. Thankfully, Ali made a full recovery, but it didn't go without years of worry and doubt. We went on to get married in October 2009, and just a few months later, our first girl, Saoirse, was born. She was hoped for, and most importantly prayed for, and she arrived on the 19th of January 2012. Shortly after she was born, my father told me of how much of a miracle she really was. He went on to tell me, with tears in his eyes, of how all them years ago a doctor told him in Portiuncla Hospital that I may never able to be bare child. In hindsight, I'm so thankful to my parents for not telling me that until after Saoirse was born. Unfortunately, like many others, we did go on to have our struggles with fertility in the coming years, and we even had a loss. But the want was so strong that we sought help from three different fertility clinics. And seven years later, we felt we won the lotto when our second daughter, Farah Rose, was born. We felt so blessed, especially now more than ever, as we have witnessed firsthand the joy that she has brought to us all, especially Saoirse, over the last few years. We started 2019 on the highest of highs, as Farah Rose was born on New Year's Day. What better day could you come into the world? We adjusted to life as a family of four, and after my stint of maternity leave, I went back to work in the September, and the weekly routine began. It was only 12 weeks later that our whole world turned upside down, and this would see us finish the most amazing year on an incredibly low. Saoirse was only seven years of age, when she began to complain of a discomfort in her ankle. We felt she might have innocently hurt it at school, but brought her to the GP a few days later. It was Friday morning, the 29th of December, 19. I never in my wildest dreams thought we would end up where we did. On examining her, our GP advised that she would need an X-ray, and so my husband Dolly brought her to A&E. I stayed at home with our 11-month-old baby and told Saoirse I would have finished decorating the Christmas tree in time to watch the toy show that very same night. Hours later, Saoirse came home from hospital in a cast with a broken bone. She was so upset to be on crutches and somewhat distraught, as these crutches were so alien to her. We settled down to watch Ryan Tuberty at his best, and it was a great distraction. But at the same time, myself and Dolly were so relieved that we were only dealing with a broken bone. Two days later, on the Sunday morning, while getting ready for Mass, we received a phone call from the orthopaedic team informing us that they were looking over Saoirse's x-rays and because they wanted to rule out a few abnormalities, they asked us to come straight in. Without any further questions, we got into the car and all four of us arrived into A&E. We spent the day there while Saoirse had bloods and x-rays taken. 
We didn't know what to think, but hoped that we would have some answers by that evening. It was decided around 6pm that Saoirse would be admitted. We were told that we would not see a consultant at that stage and that it would be the next morning. So with that, we headed up to the ward. It was in the next few moments that everything would become more clear. As we walked onto the ward, we were met by the orthopaedic team. They introduced themselves, shook our hands, and had a chat with us and Saoirse. In some ways, it felt like watching a movie unfold before our eyes. We were so oblivious as to what was going to happen next. I will never forget Dr. Fintan Shannon's kindness and compassion to us, and when I look back, he treated the whole situation with such dignity and delicacy. I was feeding Pharaohs her bottle when he asked if we wouldn't mind stepping into another room. And with that, Pharaohs was now being bottle-fed by a nurse, and Saoirse gave us the reassurance that it was okay to go. As we approached this room, it was only then I began to realise that things were going to change once we stepped inside that door. And I caught Ollie's back pocket of his jeans and pulled him back, as I needed everything to stop right there in that moment. Ollie acknowledged me, and we both entered that room together. And it wasn't long before he held my hand, as we knew then that something was seriously wrong. The tears started to fall as our fears heightened. And that's when we heard the words no parent ever wants to hear. Your daughter has either an infection or a tumour. But everyone in that room that night knew that this wasn't an infection. You cannot imagine all that goes through your head when you are told your seven-year-old child may have cancer. We were given time to cry our tears behind closed doors, and then we had to wipe them away and go back to our two beautiful girls. We were allowed to bring Saoirse home with us, and the plan was to return the following morning for an MRI. We drove home that night completely numb, but did our best to hide it from Saoirse. Only weeks later, Saoirse went on to be diagnosed with a rare, life-threatening tumour of the bone called osteosarcoma. One in three children under the age of 16 are diagnosed with this every year. She underwent 10 months of intense chemo and all the side effects that go with it. Seeing an adult go through cancer is hard. It's very hard. But to watch a child go through it is unimaginable. We fought so hard to have our children, and now here we were, fighting to keep Saoirse. We were a split family. For every six weeks, Saoirse was four of them in Dublin having chemo, and Dolly continued to work and look after Fire Rose. It was the most difficult time, and it only got worse, as there were talks of Saoirse having to have an amputation. Ollie sought a second opinion in Massachusetts with the help of our GP. This took a lot of time and effort and paperwork, and unfortunately they were of the same opinion, and there was no option but for her amputation to go ahead. At the time, I asked the local priest if we could have a Mass for Saoirse. I felt that if everyone prayed, 
that the volume of prayers would be heard and that everything would be all right. But just days before her surgery, the government announced that these large gatherings should not go ahead. I was gutted, and on the particular evening the Mass was due to be held, we decided to go to the church and light a candle instead. We drove a long, solemn journey to Dublin on the 17th of March 2020. It was lonely and it was eerie. There were very few cars on the road, no parades. The country had started to slowly close down. And as Saoirse settled in for the night, we watched Leo Varadkar address the public. His words couldn't have been more appropriate. He said, and I quote, This is a St. Patrick's Day like no other. A day that none of us will ever forget. Handing Saoirse over to the surgical team filled me with dread. How were we going to send her to theatre with ten toes and welcome her back with only five? But we did. A strength came over us and we did whatever it was we needed to do. It was a traumatic time, but Saoirse made a great recovery. It was slow due to the fact that she was still having chemo, but once she finished her treatment, her wounds healed and she had her first appointment to be fitted with her first prosthetic leg. Little did we know how well-known Saoirse would become in every household in Ireland nine months later when she appeared on the Late Late Toy Show 2020, exactly a year to the day that she was first in A&E. To see her sit across from Ryan Tuberty filled us with such unimaginable emotion and pride, and to us it was the biggest reward she could ever receive for enduring such a cruel illness. We started to slowly come through the haze, and even though she attended for review every four months, we always carried the worry. We really weren't prepared for what came next. In April of this year, Saoirse told us she had a pain in her chest when breathing. Without giving it a second thought, we made an appointment with our GP, and as we predicted, she was sent into UHG for a routine x-ray. We spent another long day having x-rays and CT scans, and at this stage, myself and Saoirse were very fed up. It was late that night when the doctor came back and in a very subtle way ushered me outside the cubicle curtain. Her words to me were, do you want to ring your husband to come in? I didn't see that coming. I pleaded with her to not do this again, as if for some reason she was the cause of this incredible pain. I fought to hold back my tears and reassure Saoirse that everything was fine. Ollie arrived at the hospital and yet again we were sitting in front of a consultant hearing those dreaded words again. This time Saoirse's tumour was in her lung. Even the consultant had tears in her eyes. Her second diagnosis completely shook us to the core. We were in Dublin before we knew it, having talks with our oncologist. And because of where the tumour was located, even he himself was doubtful that surgery would even be an option. It all came back. The shock, the depression, 
the feeling of, again, grieving the life we thought we knew. What I thought I knew was not the case anymore, which then makes me question so much more. My beliefs, my faith, what I thought I knew. I was so cross with God at one stage. We hadn't fallen out, but I wondered why he let all of this sadness happen to someone so young with her whole life ahead of her. But I soon realized it isn't God. It isn't any one person. God is there to guide us in troubled times. He is there for comfort, to listen, to heal. And most importantly, teach us something very important, to be grateful. We attended Mass at Clanfurch Church shortly after Saoirse's diagnosis and we were welcomed so warmly by Father Declan McInerney. After Mass, he introduced Saoirse to the statue of Our Lady of Clanfort and gave her the prayer which she brought home with her that day. We strongly believe that we have Our Lady to thank, along with everyone's prayers, for the miracle that came next. A few days later, we received a phone call to attend a meeting in Dublin where we would be informed that surgery would now go ahead. It was an extremely difficult meeting listening to the risks involved in this major surgery, but this was hope. It really was hope, and we grasped it with both hands. Her tumour was growing at such an aggressive rate, there was no time for any further tests. This time round, Saoirse had thousands of people following her recovery, and when we took to social media to give weekly updates of her progress, we couldn't believe the amount of people praying for her. The relics, mass cards, holy water, candles, prayers, scapulars, oils are still coming through the door daily, and for this we are eternally grateful. On the night before Saoirse's surgery, my sister arranged for Padre Pio's glove to be brought into Saoirse. A lot of permission had to be sought in order for this to be allowed, and we will be forever grateful to her and those who helped make this happen. We blessed Saoirse with the glove and prayed to Padre Pio. This, to me, felt like a sign. History was repeating itself. I was now standing in my parents' shoes the very same way they did 35 years previously. Now, more than ever, I feel a stronger connection to Padre Pio. So strong, in fact, that I have made a promise to bring Saoirse to visit his resting place in San Giovanni when she's able. I finish up by telling you, I don't have all the answers, but I have seen firsthand how the country and further afield came together and prayed for Saoirse. And I ask you to continue to keep her in your prayers as she travels her long road to recovery. Every night, without fail, Ollie will say the special prayer to Our Lady of Clanfort with Saoirse. She knows it off by heart, and it will always hold a special place in our hearts. Our story is what it is. Our story. But no matter what we've been dealt, we continue to be so grateful for all we have. Thank you, Father Richard, and for you all listening tonight. I will finish by saying this special prayer. Our Lady of Clanford, I come to you as one of your children who will never forget the importance of a woman like you. I come because I believe in you. 
I come to say thanks for the past and the present and ask you to bless me in the future. You know me, you know how I live, and you know my needs. Please help me, especially when I need you most. I have problems, worries, and anxieties, the same as everyone else. Help me to cope. So often I would just love to give up when life hurts me and people betray me. But give me the courage never to lose heart. Bless my family, my life, and my friends. Help me, no matter what, to believe, to trust, and to hope. Our Lady of Clanford, pray for us. Our Lady of Knock, pray for us.
So welcome back again to the third part of Common Sea Inspirations. My name is John Keenan, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And at this point of our podcast is where we read and reflect on the Word of God, the Sunday Gospel. And before that, Shane always shares his prayer before we read and reflect. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, humbly and attentively. May we not despise this Word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it, that our eyes be closed and our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ. Amen. Shane, thank you very much, Dave, for that. So the Gospel for today, for the 28th Sunday in Ordinary Time, is taken from the Gospel of Luke. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the borders of, uh, between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered one of the villages, ten lepers came to meet him. They stood some way off and called to him, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. Now as they were going along... They were cleansed, finding them, them himself cured. One of the, one of them turned back, praising God at the top of his voice, and threw himself at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. The man was a Sumerian. This made Jesus say, "Where were not all ten made clean? The other nine, where are they? It seems that no one has come back to give praise to God except this foreigner." And Jesus said to the man, "Stand up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you." So that's the Gospel for today, for the 28th Sunday. Shane, you might have a, sh- a, a bit of a thought there you might share with us, please. Yeah, so this one is the, 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 cure, the cure of the lepers and the return of the And I suppose there's a couple of things that would strike you about uh, this, the Gospel this week. Um, I, I suppose, first of all, I suppose it's also, we, we don't normally speak about it on the, on, on the podcast, but... It also it links very directly with the, the first reading on this, this Sunday, which is taken from the second book of Kings, where Laman the leper is Naaman the leper is cured by Elisha, and um, so it's and it's it's directly about that and acknowledging the gift that has been given by God, and it's 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 an interesting one because you know in this gospel again this week Jesus holds up the outsider as the example that's given to the crowd he's preaching to. We have to remember, and you know, this is why it's, it's so unusual, that at the time, and to a certain extent down to the modern age, Jews and, Samar- and Samaritans, people from Samaria, did not get on. Um, Samar- Samaritans were seen as being almost a hybrid, corrupt form of Judaism. So they weren't pure. They were seen as you know, being outside the law, impure, and the communities just did not get on. So Jesus, you know, holding this example up is really challenging people to look at what it all means. And we have this example of the, the, the group of lepers uh, who would have been social outcasts. The, the, the Judaic law was very strict on excluding those that had any affliction of the skin from the community. 
Um, you know, and it, in some ways it was almost strange because if you were a leper, uh, you were guaranteed almost to have shoes because they didn't want you walking around potentially passing the disease on to someone that was shoeless and couldn't afford it. You know, so, but um, I suppose the whole thing with it is, you know, Jesus said to them, go show yourselves to priests. Now, in this regard, what that means is they were to obey the Mosaic law, which said that um, if, you know, if you were if you were cured, you had to prove it to the priest and then there were sacrifices to be performed and you would be allowed back into community. And it's during this then that we have the, the, the return of the one who is the Samaritan praising and thanking God. Now, for me, I suppose, John, the thing that struck me about this was the idea of those who would might have that little seed of faith that we might not expect. And I was kind of, it was a little challenging, I think, this this Sunday, this, this Sunday gospel for me this week in one respect, because it was kind of thinking, I suppose we can get very comfortable about who we kind of accept as being in the faith community, right? And we have expectations and stereotypes and and impressions of others that we might not expect to journey in the faith journey. Um, so, and I suppose one of the challenges at at times, particularly in the Irish Church, particularly in the Western Europe, Western European Church, and something which the former Archbishop of Dublin brought up a couple of times, Dermot Martin, is that sometimes um, the church community can be a bit middle class, and there's no sense of being out at the extremes in terms of the poor and the, the, those that are that are on the on the margins, and for me that was what struck kind of with this week's gospel that Jesus was holding up this person who was on the extreme and saying to the saying to the crowd, "Look at the faith of this person. Um, you know, stand up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you." And it's that reminder to us that I suppose we have to be very careful not to be arrogant or cocksure or a little too self-satisfied in our own little bubbles in the community or in our parish about those that are participating in a formal ecclesial life and going to church and so forth. That we have to be aware that the movement of the divine in each, is in each and every single person that the encounter with the divine is open to each and every single person in whatever way their state of life is. And that we just don't know what is going on in the depths of a person's soul and their encounter with God. And it's something for us to be very careful of and to be very conscious of and to be very aware that the outsider might have just about as much experience and greater faith than we are we might have you know and for us just to be just to be careful of that and not to be too comfortable either with our sense of faith that you know i suppose one of the things we often say on the on the podcast john is you know faith is a gift of god freely given it has to be freely accepted but also, it is a gift which, are, which is like a muscle which has to be used. And it has to be developed and nurtured and cared for um, and minded, but also not hidden away in a little box in the corner. Uh, you know, it has to be shared to grow. 
So I suppose, John, it's very some very short thoughts this week. Um, but you know, it's a short enough gospel, and I, I have to say, for me this week, that was the that was the thing that just that just came across. Shane, thanks a lot again for for sharing those few thoughts with us. I suppose I'm reading the gospel myself this uh, this week. I, I was taking a little bit of a lesson, a lesson from my lecture divina experience. Where Father Frank always asked us to to see where we are in the story, and for that I had to ask myself a few questions. Jesus travelled along the border of Samaria and Galilee. Apparently, it's a risky place for a Jew to go. The first question I had to ask myself: Do I ever leave my comfort zones and travel to risky places? where I'm not welcomed because of my faith values, do I want to hide them away, not get too disturbed, stay in my cosy little place? The second question, that occurred, the, the, the second thought that came to me was, Jesus saw, the, Jesus saw the lepers and heard them. The next question I have to ask myself is, do I ever see lepers or those on the margins of society and hear them and hear their cries for help and how do I respond? And of course, lepers can be all sorts of people with all sorts of, as I would see it, problems. But they mightn't have the problem at all. It might be me that has the problem. The other thing that I found myself was finding himself cured. One of them turned back praising God at the top of his voice. How often when I've been cured and experienced healing from an illness or whatever it might be, have I given thanks to God for it rather than have a go at the nine who didn't give thanks, I could maybe take a, a paper and pen and maybe list down the nine five, at least nine favours that I have not been grateful for. Rather than having a go at the nine people in the Gospel today who didn't give thanks, how many times have I not given thanks? So today I've realised that I have stuff to work on. My reflection has led me to realise that I've not returned gratitude as much as I should have done for the gifts and favours that I've been given. And so for the prayer that I'll finish off with, I take it from Michael de Vertai and just share something that he shares with us all today. And he says, Lord, give us a heart of a child so that we might know how to come back and give thanks to you for the simple things of life. So that brings us to the end of our podcast today. Thanks a lot indeed, Shane, for staying with me today uh, all the way from Nairobi and sharing this. Share those thoughts. Thanks a lot. So, uh, the final piece of music, uh, it'll have to be a, a song of thanks. I picked one from Don Moen, and this one is entitled Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart. So, to myself and Shane, all the way from Nairobi, thanks a lot indeed for joining us. Do it all again next week. Same time, same place. Wherever you are in the world, have a good week. God bless now. Bye. Bye.
We give thanks to you, Lord. 